And hello, everybody. Welcome back to the JS Pod. J- RJS Pod? No, just JS Pod. J- oh, there's no Ruchi. Yeah. It's been too long since we've done this, and I've forgotten the title. It's it's Ruchi and Jer explain weird SF politics to Scott, but now it's just Jer explains weird SF politics to Scott because Ruchi is doing important parent things. Um, okay, this is going to be a quick one. Um, hello. All of our lovely friends, uh, we love you. Thank you for listening. I don't know. Jared, say hi. Say some stuff. Hello. Amazing. Okay. Um, let's just... So there's two... Okay, so there's those two things, Jared, we were talking about before that I can talk about, K mm-hmm. and D and E. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about? Oh, I mean, there's weird stuff that we could mention. It seems okay. relevant. Well, okay. Let me let, let's let's do like the housekeeping stuff about the measures and the upcoming election, all that kind of stuff, and then we can get weird and decide how much how much pod we want to pod. Um, so the thing to know uh, is we're coming up on election season slowly but surely, and along with all of the national level bananas stuff that's going on with the midterms. Uh, That means that it's time to worry about local elections and ballot measures, propositions, initiatives, whatever you want to call them. Um, And this November is going to be, it looks like super interesting for San Francisco uh, ballot measures and stuff. Um, So yeah, we're going to have to spend some time, look at those, hopefully get some interesting info and give everybody a chance to be more informed on those so you can vote in an intelligent way, which is good stuff. Um, so yeah. how many How many are there so far? I don't know, like 14. It's A to O. Letter A through O there so far. There are 15 far. so far. There are 15. There are 15 goddamn ballot propositions. <laughs> Direct democracy. And there was there was a bunch last time too. So we're probably up in like, you know, in at least 30 this year. There are 30 pieces of legislation that we, the citizens of San Francisco, have been asked to vote upon. Unconscionable. <sighs> God damn it. Yeah. Okay. So um, walk- Okay, so the two, so I, I guess I just want to say that I think we should lay a marker down and you, me, and Ruchi should sit down and look at these and at least give the folks who listen an idea of what the heck's going on. And for all the people that are out of San Francisco, you know, give them something to listen to that they're, they, they don't need to care about. Um, the, the, the two issues that I can talk about now, one is important, one is silly. Um, I'll talk about the important one first. Uh, so there are going to be two initiatives on the ballot in November. One's called D and one's called E. They are both called affordable housing. Uh, one was put on the ballot by initiative, uh, or I'm sorry, by petitions, but petition signatures, you know, those people like in front of the grocery store getting signatures. Uh, and the other one was put on the ballot by the board of supervisors. I am biased in favor of the one that was put together by the petitions um, because the group that's putting that uh, on the ballot uh, is a group that I'm familiar with and I really like their work a lot and they actually do good work getting housing built in San Francisco. And I believe that the Board of Supervisors ballot measure is essentially a poison pill and they put it on 
after the uh, legit one was put on the ballot. Um, and it really seems like they put it on there, like in an effort to confuse voters. And uh, I'm not a legal expert, but the people that I sort of trust who look at who look at this kind of thing say that the Board of Supervisors uh, initiative isn't actually going to get more housing built. It 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 claims to be about making housing better, but really it's just going to be more of the same. It's going to be uh, more ways for uh, housing to be stopped, housing projects to be stopped in San Francisco. So I am in favor of uh, D and I'm against E and whichever one of these gets more votes is the one that gets to be law. Even if both pass, the one that gets more votes is going to become law. So it's going to be, that one's going to be interesting. My, I'm pro D. You want the D. That's the takeaway here. Everybody, nice. Nice. You, want, you want the D. Uh, and we do not want E. I don't know. Anything, have, you, have you heard anything about this stuff, Jer? Or is this all new? It's not totally new. Um, ugh. I, I don't understand why. I mean, I understand why D is we're being asked to vote upon it. I'm not, I don't understand E. Like, why is it that the Board of Supervisors, if they wanted to do something, had to make a ballot proposition for it? Yeah. Well, but that's why I think, I think I'm, it's never good to assume bad faith of someone who's on the other side of your political whatever. But yeah, I think if they wanted to make. Oh, I know why. It's a charter amendment. That's why. So the Board of Supervisors can't just up and like decide to change the charter all on their own. They need to send it to their voters in order to approve. So that's why it's on. Well, that's why sure. it's a ballot proposition. I guess I just mean that like, I don't really trust the Board of Supervisors to do something to get housing built because I don't think they have a great track record on getting housing built. Is I sure. guess what I'm saying. Sure. Okay. So that's D&E. Um, our audience will doubtless hear more about that in the future because I'll hopefully dig in on it a little more and I'm sure there will be some shenanigans. Like for example, there's a lawsuit right now. This is kind of funny. You'll appreciate this. There's a lawsuit to try to strike E from the ballot because um, it needs to go through CEQA. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Why do, wait. Okay. How do ballot propositions have to go through the California Environmental Equality Act? I don't know. I don't understand it. I just read somewhere that for some reason it needs to be like the, the stuff that it's trying to do needs to be okay with the California Environmental Quality Act. And it would be really ironic if a bunch of NIMBYs were trying to pass something and they got stopped by CEQA. But no, that's like, that's not ironic. Is it not? I think it's like Alanis Morissette ironic. It's like double ironic. See, <laughs> it's like it's wrapped around all the way back to like the original idea of CEQA, but. It would actually be using CEQA. I don't know. I don't, it's, yeah, it's really, it's convoluted. Anyway, stay tuned on that. Uh, I don't know. Anything else on that? Well, okay. We can talk about prop I. Okay. Uh, both I and J. Oh, the JFK stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a big 
Proofraw during COVID, where uh-huh. because why the heck did my lights just turn off? <laughs> weird. The moths, the moths, moths. ate the pumpkin. Oh, oh, we'll talk about the moths later. Anyway, there was a big Proofraw in San Francisco during COVID. Uh, I, I forget what city department was in charge of this, but someone somewhere decided to shut down certain roads to through traffic, put up a bunch of soft hit posts and declare some streets, slow streets. Mm-hmm. And this was incredibly popular on some of the streets. Some streets just didn't really ever get used very much. Other mm-hmm. streets got used heavily, including in my neighborhood, Sanchez street, and mm-hmm. also including JFK Boulevard through the park and mm-hmm. uh, the Great Highway uh, in the sunset. And this made a lot of people angry, usually car drivers. So mm-hmm. people who drive cars get really angry, apparently, when you tell them they have to like not drive down one particular street or the other. Uh, I was actually sitting on my slow street watching my child ride his bicycle, run around, do that kind of thing. And someone in a lifted pickup truck just just drove straight through all of the slow street signs. And when really? yeah, not actually through them, around them, just drove around the signs, just flagrantly disregarding the fact that, you know, it's a slow street. Kids, yeah. strollers, bicycles, just people all over the street just went going through it. And when um, I gave him the dirty eyeball, he actually stopped rolled down his window and yelled at me for what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just this, the amount of sheer entitlement and goal for someone to, well, I was sitting on the sidewalk watching my son on a bicycle, stop his car, roll down the window and tell me um, basically that I should be jealous of his fine motor vehicle. What? Yeah. Anyway, this is an anecdote just to color the fact that people got super mad about these slow streets. Uh, Um, There's a lot to unpack there, but sure. Totally. (laughs) Through uh, a a bunch of legal and political wrangling, uh, the city decided to make the temporary street closures in JFK permanent. So JFK is now closed to car traffic permanently. And this, like much of the slow street discussion, made a bunch of people angry. Including, mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, a lot of the big wigs of the museums that are dotted along JFK, like the yeah, it's young, young, yeah, the conservative, uh, the, the the people who put this on the ballot, I believe, are, it's huh? like it's a it's one woman or one foundation, and they're the Republicans who really really love the de Young, yeah, because <laughs> exactly. Which made me feel weird about the DeYoung because I like going to the DeYoung, but like sure. knowing that there are like a bunch of Republicans that are all about it, it kind of made me feel weird, but whatever, you know. Right. I mean, you kind of got to separate, I think, guess the board of directors of the DeYoung from the museum and the art contained therein, right? I guess so. You can enjoy <laughs> the museum without, oh, I don't know, maybe you can't. Yeah. Um, but also the uh, the California Academy of Science also was against closing GFK really? for the same reasons, right? Yeah. You know, we made it slightly harder for people in cars to make come to the park. Yeah, but isn't isn't the parking lot underneath the DeYoung like really impressive? It's enormous. Sure. Yeah. So why don't they just have people drive into the parking lot and park there? I mean, they do already. 
Okay. Right. And honestly, there's another measure on here that does something with that parking lot that I don't totally understand. The Sierra Club actually recently had a whole thing about it, but I couldn't keep up. <laughs> anyway, put a pin in that. Right. So there's I, that is the the measure to return JFK to car traffic and reopen the Great Highway. Because that's the second thing. JFK, very popular destination for people on bikes and walking and all that. Yeah. Um, the Great Highway, also very popular with people on bikes, dogs, kids on scooters. Um, I ran there a lot during COVID because it was just, it's an amazing to be able to run up and down this road right next to the beach. But yeah, it's beautiful. People, it is beautiful. It, but people are very upset because it is incredibly convenient to be able to start, I guess, in, uh, what was that, the the outer sunset and just warp speed your way all the way to high to 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 280. It's just you drive 35 miles an hour, you hit every single light. It is it is like magic. Yeah. And so instead of telling people to take uh, what is that 18th or whatever 19th, yeah, uh, all the way down, which is um not nearly as nice. Not right. You know, anyway, made a bunch of people angry too. So suffice it to say, there is a significant portion of san francisco who is pro prop i i don't think yeah. it's going to be enough to push it over the 50 plus one percent requirement but anyway you'll we'll see, see that. i mean okay so i so i am i am in favor of closing every single freaking road in san francisco if i could if i had my way i would turn every car into scrap metal and we would all be required to bike everywhere but i'm not going to get my way but Closing JFK, closing uh, 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 the Great Highway. I'm I'm in favor. I think the thing to watch with that. Um, I mean, just as always, you know, boomers vote like clockwork, man. They the younger people who are into biking and who care more about reducing carbon footprints, all that kind of stuff. They just don't vote as consistently as boomers. And boomers in San Francisco like to drive. They like parking. They like yeah. being able to get places in their cars. So I don't know that that's, I think that's going to be the kind of the thing to watch there. I don't know. We'll have to dig into that some more. Mm -hmm. Any, anything else on those? Oh yeah. So Jay is the, the car free SF like in the same way that D and E are two ballot propositions with entirely opposite impacts. It uh -huh. appears that I and J are the same. Oh, it appears I'd have to, you know, don't, you know, do your research first. We should do our research first. But yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. This is a, this is a, this is going to be like a teaser episode that we're telling our loving audience, uh, all this, all the homework we're going to do. So <laughs> you don't have to, but we haven't done it yet. That's fine. We'll figure there is out. another proposition in the exact same vein, and that's N. N is about that same uh, parking lot that's underneath uh, yeah. Young and the the California Academy of Science. And I'm not entirely certain like what it's going to do. It's like improvements to it. Um, I think it's they're going to do some amount of subsidization because it's a private parking lot, some amount of subsidization of the parking parking underneath there for certain groups of people. Yeah. And what I see here is people with disabilities and low income, low income visitors will get some kind of subsidy for being able to park there. 
Anyway, It'd be great. So, so that's that. Yeah, I cannot believe I cannot believe that such I would say a benign decision like taking a road that goes through the city park and yeah. making it more park like. Yeah, would generate this just sheer number of ballot propositions. Yeah. I mean, did, uh, what, did we vote on something about this in the in the previous election, in the recent primary for JFK? I forget. No, there was a vote, but it was by the, the Board of Supervisors. That's right. That's whether right. to allow it to continue to be shut down. Yeah, but there's been much ado about JFK Drive in San Francisco. Yeah, totally. For sure. Okay. Uh, anything else on that? Okay, so the one thing that I wanted to talk about that I thought would be kind of fun, um, and this is, I think, I think, I think actually, I'll shout out Amanda. I think she's listening. She'll have heard about this already on the Fun Police, which is another podcast. Um, but one of the podcast hosts of another podcast of people who talk about crazy SF politics. Um, uh, uh, okay, anyway, Measure K, right? So this is the one that was like put together by. Uh, it's a group called Todd Co. And I forget exactly what they do, but you know, it's a, you know, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know that much about them, but like their goal here was to tax Amazon, like, you know, Amazon, like, you know, Amazon tax Amazon to implement a uh, guaranteed income program, universal basic income in San Francisco. And they wrote this measure and they got it put on the ballot. And then people started looking at it. And they crunched the numbers and they said, uh, hey, you guys who put this measure together, have you crunched these numbers? Because we've looked at it and we looked at the tax code and this isn't going to tax Amazon. Like you've written this improperly and who you're actually going to tax are a bunch of medium-ish sized businesses all over San Francisco, which was not their intention at all. Their hope was to tax this like, behemoth organization and create a universal basic income for San Franciscans, which I, in principle, I would be totally in favor of. That sounds really clever to me. And they just biffed it. And this happened on Twitter, uh, where this uh, guy who uh, does a lot of sort of like uh, small business council stuff, I forget exactly what you oh, call this it. This is Sharky, who's the president of the Small Business Commission. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, basically said like, hey, heads up, this this is totally taxing the wrong people. And the people that put it on the ballot uh, basically conceded that that's correct. And, that they, and they're no longer backing it. And they no longer think that you should vote yes on it. There is no official argument submitted for the yes <laughs> side. But we could, in theory, still vote this into law because it made it onto the ballot before anybody like crunched the numbers on it. This is why we should not have ballot propositions. I mean, this is a stupid process. Uh, it, we, <sighs> why are we so bad at this? Why, why is San Francisco know. politics so terrible at politics? Like just the nuts and bolts of, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. And like, you know, to, to get kind of meta about it, like it seems like the idea is that if you make it easy to propose legislation, if you if you make it easy to, relatively easy to allow anyone, anyone-ish, near the levers of power, that maybe the theory is that like 
the good ideas will percolate up to the top and the bad ideas will be voted out. Right. Like in, in theory, I can see I can see like 14 year old Scott subscribing to that theory of of running a city. Right. <laughs> but in practice, it just means a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing are making laws and a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing are voting on those laws. And like it's 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 this constant like anyone who know has the expertise to understand how it's actually going to how the rubber is actually going to meet the road. These poor people are scrambling around, uh, like stopping us from setting ourselves on fire all the time. (laughs) It's a bad system. Maybe, you know, we we stand too close to the fire and we're sitting here watching everything burn. I'm not entirely certain that every other relatively large city in the United States has this problem. Is it possible? Is it possible that this is just how politics plays out at the level in which we're like observing that? The we are the bush leagues, and we're making bush league errors. Well, what do you mean? You mean like are there other states or cities or counties where this process, this like measure, direct democracy works well? Sure. And to be fair, I doubt it. I'm not just talking about this. Where I'm kind of previewing the next thing I want to talk about. Okay. That that stuff that we were texting about over the weekend. Um, Wait, anyway. what stuff? We'll get to it next, but like it, it maybe it's just, I expect too much from local politicians um, who are basically minor league versions of the, the majors that we see when we look at national politics. Mm. I don't know. I would like to be convinced that um, we have the potential to have great politicians, to have great public servants. And that we're not just going to be caught in this kind of oh, keystone cop bumblingness that we have been caught in for like for the last, as long as I've been paying attention, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, a, that's almost a, the Bush league thing is like almost a great analogy though, because like the politicians who succeed in San Francisco do graduate up to other stuff. They run for mm-hmm. higher office and they win and they stop governing San Francisco. <laughs> Various, but I, I think might be drawing a conclusion from a very small number of people. It is yeah. honestly great that uh, our old district attorney is now the vice president of the United States. That is fabulous. Yeah. It yeah. is great that our ex-mayor is now the governor of California. But those yeah. are two things. <laughs> and everyone else, like, it's not like every one of the supervisors has gone on to greatness. Uh, in well, fact, you know, anyway. Haney just won. Uh, an assembly seat. Sure. Uh, Wiener is a senator doing good stuff. Scott mm-hmm. Wiener. Um, I don't know. That's all I got right now. Yeah. Right. So, well, there aren't that many, you know, in the grand scheme of things, there aren't that many politicians in San Francisco over time, right? Sure. I don't know. But yeah. I have a larger problem, maybe just with the Democratic Party not seeming to build up a good set of politicians. Yeah. We have no bench getting the wings. Yeah. Our bench is very shallow. Yeah. So anyway, said that some, somebody big in national politics was basically saying that that's like the problem of the democratic party is that we have no bench. I forget who it was. And you would think that these would be, I don't know, the, the laboratories of, of our future democratic bench, the small city politics like this. 
Yeah. Anyway, someone, some poli sci majors got to come on here and tell us like what exactly it is that we're either doing wrong or what expectations do we have that are wrong to not generate fantastic politicians more regularly. But yeah, speaking of, yeah, the other thing that happened last week, we do have an election coming up. And in this election, um, a, is the election for the supervisor for um, district four. Okay. And one of the candidates had recently had to bow out. Oh, Um, I'm sorry. I say bow out. Uh, They were removed from the race. Yeah. Because they could not be proven. They actually lived in the district in which they were running. This is probably the best thing that could have happened to this candidate. Um, This is Leanna Louie, who was Uh running for District 4 supervisor. Because last week, she, in in angry at the coverage of her campaign, called a local journalist a Nazi on Twitter. And even even if you grant her the, the best possible like if you, I, I can't even bring myself to do it. Like if I assume that ev- like she is correct about everything, which she's obviously not, it's just like completely bad politics. Like yeah. it, you, uh, it, once again, disappointing Jeremy and the quality of the people <laughs> who are running his city or like trying to. What are we doing, man? What are we doing? I don't know. And so, wait, this is District 4. District 4 is the sunset-ish. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, is that Gordon Marr? Right now? Yeah. God, I'm I'm terrible. I don't actually know who is District 4 supervisor. I'm pretty sure it's Marr. Yep, you're right. Gordon Marr. So, running to either replace, I don't know if he's termed out. Or if he's running. That's a good question. I don't know that either. Yeah. More things we promise to research for our amazing audience. It's, it's the nuts and bolts of politicking. You know, it is the showing up, kissing babies, shaking hands, convincing people to vote for you on like a really small level and getting on a slap fight on Twitter where you just totally Goodwin's law yourself. (laughs) is bad politics. Wait, what's right. Goodwin's law? Oh, the oh, Nazi. That is Goodwin's right. law is the, or is it Godwin's law? Um, is the the observation that the longer any conversation happens online, the chances that someone will bring up the Holocaust or Nazism goes to one, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like, you know, it, it's the the amount of time it takes to actually have someone else call someone else a Nazi is what Goodwin's yeah. law and mm, just, yeah, just don't get there. That's the realm of 13 year olds uh, on, I don't know, 4chan. Yeah. I, did you think this is a Twitter thing? And this is sort of a constant tension in my mind, like understanding this stuff is, I mean, San Francisco is, is a, is a wacky place for sure. All by itself. Sure. But, so many of our supervisors are just professional Twitter trolls. Like they, mm-hmm. they, they drum up support and are able to 
you know, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it's only through being very online, but they're very online. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it seems counterintuitive to me because the cool thing about Twitter is that you can tweet something stupid and have everybody on the planet see how stupid you are. And especially in, in, in district, politicians who are running for a very geographically small district, it seems to me like you would want more local stuff. You would actually want to be like at the farmer's markets. You would want to go to the craft fair or whatever. Like you would want to do the things that are small and close and where the actual voters are actually going to meet you face to face. Retail politics. Yep. Yeah. But we don't see that. We see people getting in fights on Twitter uh, and, you know, conversing with people who might be local, but who might not be local, you know? Um, I would say a lot of, a lot of SF politics is online. Like a lot of, there's a SF politics is its own little messy corner of Twitter. But well, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask yeah. you about something. See if you remember, do you remember Penny Arcade's greater dickwad theory of the internet? <laughs> I do. I do. I do. Right. I believe the formulation of the greater dickwad theory was anonymity plus the internet equals just people turning into raging assholes. Yeah. And I don't actually think the anonymity is required. Like the anonymity, the point of that is not like you, you somehow lose the ability to control yourself when you think that no one will hold you accountable because of, you know, no one knows who you are. No one knows that you're a, a dog on the internet or whatever. Um, right. But I don't think that, like, I think over the years since that comic came out, it is, uh, I, I, I'm going to guess that we have learned that there isn't going to be any accountability, accountability for what you say online anyway. No yeah. one, no one's going to hold you accountable for calling someone a Nazi on Twitter if you're not yeah. a politician. And so uh, everyone's a dickwad on the internet. Because all yeah. it requires is the the psychological distance that's separating you from all the people you're talking to that the screen and the the DSL provides you, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's I, I, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I, I, yeah, I think I think the psychological separation is is the real core there, and now we're getting like way out there in big picture, you know, stuff. But like, yeah, just the fact that you don't have to look someone in the face. While mm-hmm. you tell them, like, I don't have to look Supervisor Peskin in the face when I tweet at him and tell him that I think his policies on housing in San Francisco are uh, harming the climate, uh, robbing future generations of San Franciscans of a more equitable future. Like, I, I just really like it. the things he's doing on housing are just like completely opposite to what I think a responsible kind good person should be doing right but if sure. i had to explain that, that doesn't sound like you being a dickwad though see well, but, but if i tweet at him about it i'm yeah. going to be a dickwad about it because i have 280 characters right and i've got to be pithy and i want to get retweets so i, I want to make it spicy you know yeah. so, so the, yeah, exactly the greater dickwad version of your argument would be someone coming online to 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 peskin's like dms and telling him that he's basically exactly like paul pot or whatever right so, exactly but and, but if I were in the same room as him, I would see his face, like those mechanisms in my brain that make me want to make peace with another human being in the room would kick mm-hmm. in and I would find more diplomatic ways to say that. I would, you know, like we, you can disagree with someone in a room with them much more effectively than I think you can over, over Twitter. 
Anyway, right, we, right. we've just discovered that Twitter is bad. Hooray. Well, okay, but that's one thing. I don't think that actually it's Twitter is the end-all be-all of this argument, right? Because um, in another time and place, there would be elder statesmen, I guess you would say, whose role it would be to kind of corral the excitable young politicians, show them like when they get out of line, kick them in the ass and show them the error of their ways and get all the ducks in the row and people in their coalition together. This is the, um, the guardrails of politics, the, okay. the media, the elder statesmen, the, uh, for that matter, the lobbyists or whoever's job it is to, to rein in the excesses of excitable politicians. We don't have that here. There is no one whose job it is, whose role it is to just kind of name and shame when a given supervisor, let's say, for example, is being ridiculous. Right. They get celebrated for that. They get celebrated that for that. Or, you know, there is no one with a gravitas. No, no nightly news anchor, no reporter, no elder. Oh. No one who who can rein in those who who has the the moral authority to kind of mm. gank back on some of those impulses. We just don't have mm. it. Yeah, there's no Walter Cronkite. There's no Dan Rather. There's right. no, I don't know the. Well, let's ignore the Senate for now. They're useless. But right. And do we, I mean, so, I mean, to an extent, I, I, I think of like sort of the, the, the decline of local journalism around that, right? Like that, that accountability mm-hmm. might be, you know, the role of a good journalist and we have the Chronicle. Eh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's doing that though. No, not really. Yeah. And not maybe, and not that it's not trying, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to insult the Chronicle here, but but not a lot of people get their news that way. And so sure. it doesn't. Something it about the news itself has changed. Um, news is more confrontational now. It definitely has a, an opinion point that it's that, that a lot of local journalism is, is coming from. Yeah. And that's fine. But it does maybe lead to the lack of the, you know, the Walter Cronkite moral authority, uh, someone who is above the fray who can, yeah. Anyway, we just need yeah. to lack that. That's all. Yep. Good times. <laughs> was that uh, was that the weird politics that you wanted to talk about? Oh yeah, yeah. The just SF once again proving that it is the the Bush leagues. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of what I got. Um, I am still running, uh, for those of you who are excited about it, I'm still running for the executive committee, uh, for the Sierra club for the state of California. I don't know any more details, but I think I'm going to try to do it. Um, it's kind of exciting stuff. I will see how that goes. We'll see what that entails. Um, and, uh, if you are in San Francisco and you are not yet a member of the Sierra club, uh, you know, let me know. It's cool stuff. It's super easy to join. Uh, and it does kind of make a difference. We vote, we vote on stuff. We elect leaders. And those those elections have, I think, consequences. And you go on cool hikes. 
And you go on cool hikes, yeah. Although in San Francisco, they don't. The SF Sierra Club doesn't do that much stuff. They mostly just bicker about politics. Um, but, but if you're in Oakland or Marin or anywhere else, uh, they, there are a lot of cool hikes. And yeah, you should go do that. Um, well, yeah, man. I think that's what we got. Anything else? Uh, hopefully. No, nothing else. And I really hope that one of these times we come on to talk about something awesome that happened in SF politics rather than just dumb stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of consequential stuff that we're going to do our homework on, <laughs> but a lot, a lot of interesting stuff on the ballot this yeah. November. We, God, there's 15. I don't know that we're going to be able to have like real opinions on all 15 of those ballot propositions. Um, but the big ones, definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure there will be, there will be, we'll, we can go and find all the voter guides and sort of, you oh, know. Sure. Oh, the other one you might be interested in is the the vacant house tax. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I don't know that mm-hmm. much about that. Yep. Uh, I, I, like uh, just on its face, I I think I'm in favor. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. It's going to do almost nothing to actually provide housing, but because the yeah, number oh, of yeah. units is so low and the requirements for this are so relatively high that even if every single person who would get taxed under this has decided, Oh, well, I'm just going to rent my house out instead. Let's just build more housing, man. Like that's yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to solve the problem, but I mean, it will at least, Oh, actually I think I've seen, I, I need to do more digging on this. I think I saw a bunch of people fighting about this and there's a bunch of little, like the devil's in the details on this stuff. And like, mm-hmm. you can't, you got to make sure that anything like this doesn't actually tax your like boomer voter base. And there's a lot of boomer homeowners in San Francisco who get those, they, they vote, man, they've got a lot of political power and you, you, you anger them at, <laughs> at your own peril. Um, but yeah, we got to do some homework on that stuff. Okay. I think that's what we got for this one. Um, yeah, Jer, Rucci, and I have a bunch of homework to do. We love you all. Thank you for listening. It's been a minute since we've been on your devices. Sorry about that. Life happens. Jer and Rucci, you're busy being awesome parents, and I, I have no excuse. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's what we got. I think until next time. And we should talk about oh, we should talk about homelessness. Rucci had some cool ideas around talking about homelessness because there's there have been some interesting numbers recently that have come out about that. I look uh, forward. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, everybody. Be awesome. We love you. Talk soon.